KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall, your source for classical music here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, your hometown radio station from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Now please sit back, relax, and enjoy, as we have the privilege of taking you back in time for this next hour, right here in our very own Little Concert Hall. Hello, and thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. I hope everyone had a safe and happy spring break. We're all glad to be back tonight here at the University of the Ozarks. And for those of you throughout the country who are just now going into spring break, because I found out tonight that some people are just now going into spring break this week, um, I hope your spring break is relaxing, safe, and happy. I know mine was. Annika, how about yours? Oh, it was lovely. You know, you were sitting here right before the show planning another trip abroad. Uh, Yeah, a few, actually. (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking Canada for a week, Amsterdam for a week, maybe Japan for another month and a half. And then I have an internship in Africa this summer. So Nice, nice. So if any of you were listening to the radio station right before we came on tonight, you might be able to guess what our topic is tonight. (laughs) You know, being April Fool's Day, we... um, we're going, we were going to give you a hint this time instead of just leaving you out to dry. We were going to be nice today because, you know, we figured you were tired of the pranks by this point in the day. Well, in case you didn't catch it, our theme tonight is the piano. Here I'm breaking down the orchestra here from the concert hall. So we're going to be looking intensely tonight at piano music and piano concertos, what the piano's role is in the orchestra. Annika, I... A lot of listeners know I play piano. If I'm not mistaken, you've done some piano as well, correct? Uh, Yes, I I started in fourth grade, actually. Nice. So (laughs) I guess we're both going to have an easy time here tonight talking about the piano. Oh, yeah. It'll it'll be super fun. So a couple interesting facts before we get started tonight. (coughs) Let me clear my throat. Beethoven created such a stir with his piano improvisation when he first arrived in Vienna that Mozart predicted Beethoven and his music would captivate the world. He was right. (laughs) Right? Right? Here's another one. Robert Schumann was a promising virtuoso pianist, but he crippled his hand with a contraption that was designed to strengthen his fingers. The composer played only one concert in public during his lifetime. That's sad. It is, but it's rather interesting, actually. And if you know it, it's it's beautiful, so... Right. I, I love Schumann. So it's interesting to me that he only ever had one public concert. But I know what machine they're talking about. Used to, they had this glove musicians would wear. It was mechanical, and if you didn't hold your hands right, it could possibly break your fingers. Like it was... You could... It did a lot of things. It would help not only finger position, but it would also create finger stretch so you would twist the torque out and it would spread your fingers further apart 
so i don't really like to gamble and i know how much my music means to me so i don't think i personally would have done that it sounds kind of scary it really was it some people consider it a form of torture like the device an instrument of torture but i think at the time it was some kind of revolutionary thought you know i think back and i look at the glove and i'm like you know i had something similar my piano teacher used to make me play with my thumb and my fourth finger an octave with those two fingers and mm-hmm. use my two middle fingers in between to play thirds up and down the scale. I had to do something <laughs> like very similar. So <laughs> I think we all have our, uh, our music horror stories. <laughs> right, right. So going on with this little list of fun facts here. When a friend suggested to the ailing Chopin that he would play the composer's music in his memory, Chopin humorously responded, play really good music. Mozart, for instance. <laughs> you know, masochism knows no bounds, I guess, especially in music. <laughs> so here's another one. Franz Liszt had a somewhat scandalous reputation as a flamboyant showman, crowd pleaser, and ladies' man. Throughout his brilliant career as a virtuoso pianist, however, when he was 48, he joined the Franciscan Order and became a friend of Pope Pius IX. So he goes from being this scandalous showman with hordes of women and groupies following him around to being a monk. Groupies. (laughs) I'm sure that's what they called them way back then, too. Groupies. Right? To combat his frequent melancholy and doubt about the quality of his compositions, Sergei Rachmaninoff sought professional help through hypnosis. (laughs) (laughs) I can understand that. I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of my majors. I'm a double major. Right. And uh, one of my majors is psychology, and we were actually just talking about uh, hypnosis. So what does, what, I'm curious, what does the field of psychology say about hypnosis? Um, a lot of things. That's, <laughs> that's a really big question. I, uh, I guess it would depend primarily upon what psychologist you ask and uh, what theory they base their views off of. We're, we're going to suppose you're... A, professional psychologist for a moment what do you say about <laughs> hypnosis that is a huge assumption um personally i don't know enough about it to give an in-depth answer i think that there are ways of bringing up uh things from one's emotional and intellectual past such as repressed memories i do definitely think that's possible through counseling whether mm-hmm. or not you would want to consider hypno- hypnosis counseling or not is <laughs> is dependent upon you as an individual so would you say stage hypnosis could be a real thing or no yes i i think so okay okay going on with our list here before we get too far off topic rachmaninoff you know continuing on the topic of rachmaninoff settled in hollywood in 1940 and wrote frequently to friends about his love of life in america so he comes from russia mm-hmm. and ukraine to settle in america and you know, I don't know if many people know this, but Rachmaninoff was a very famous concert pianist here in the States through a lot of his life. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting, too. Uh, you don't really have a lot of famous uh, classical composers who are like came to America and just had great things to say about it. So hearing that is super nice. Right. When people think of American concert pianists, normally they think of like Liberace. Mm-hmm. No, Rachmaninoff, you know, he wasn't an American citizen. But he really did love his life in America. Yeah, he spent a majority of his life here. He became really famous here. Going on. Claude Debussy thought it was, it was nearly impossible to hear any performer play his works the way he wanted. 
<laughs> he was quoted saying, I can't tell you the extent to which my piano music has been deformed, so much so that I often have a job to recognize it. Meaning that he has a hard time. He, I feel like that's a bit too mean for a composer to say. You know, I believe in musical interpretation. You know, there's musical purists everywhere, and clearly WC was ornately, ornately in agreement with that thought. But saying that he had a hard time recognizing when people play his own music, I feel like that's, that's a bit too far. But, I mean, the composer is always right, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, President and Mrs. Theodore Roosevelt were the first to program regularly scheduled music events at the White House. Although the president loved the compositions of Chopin, Beethoven, and Litz, he preferred ragtime. Really? I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Let's see if I can pronounce this name. (laughs) Composers Brodin, Rimsky, Korsakov, and Litz each composed a set of variations on chopsticks. I would love to hear those (laughs) sometime. I would love to hear the Litz version of chopsticks. (laughs) Because I've had to play Litz, and the, the theory here is that he had insanely huge hands and so it's that's just nuts really it is so it took extra talent for him that's quite interesting i know right so the first song we have up tonight is piano concerto number 21 by mozart now if any of you don't know what a concerto is a concerto means it's an orchestral piece with an instrument singled out at some point, the instrumental has a solo that's made to overpower the rest of the orchestra. We started seeing concertos during the Baroque era, and they've really evolved here. You know, Mozart was late classical, early romantic. Classical, very much so verging on romantic. But here we have an example, a great example of a concerto here, where we have the orchestra playing this wonderful tune, then the piano the pianist coming in with the theme and playing over the orchestra. This is a great way to start off giving an example of the piano's place in the orchestra. Don't you think? Oh, I definitely agree. It's a it's a beautiful piece. I agree. And for those of you who don't know, Mozart was the fo- composer who famously was known to be deaf. He went deaf later in his life and actually died at an early age. He was in his... 30s, I want to say, when he died. He died very young. He had health conditions all of his life. And he died broke. We actually don't know where the grave of Mozart is because he was buried in a pauper's grave. But sadly, he he really was quite famous in his time. He was one of the best-known musicians. Well, before I go on much further about Mozart, we'll come back to him here in a minute. But for now, here is Piano Concerto Number 21 by Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Enjoy.
Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. Tonight we are talking, well, actually continuing our topic of breaking down the orchestra. And um, we are working tonight about talking about the piano and its role in the orchestra and in music in general, really. If you've been listening tonight or you just tuned in, we just finished listening to our first song of the night, Mozart's Piano Concerto Number 1. It was a lovely piece, I think, that really showcases the piano's role in the orchestra. For those of you who don't know, the concerto is an orchestral work that has soloed spots with instruments where that instrument is made to be the showcase of the orchestra at that particular moment in the piece. Some concertos are only for one particular instrument over and over and over again throughout the whole piece. Some, like Vivaldi's concertos, have different spots where different instruments are used in concerto or concerti. Next up tonight, we're going to be looking at Etude Number 12, the revolutionary Etude by Chopin. Uh, for those of you who've ever read his name and thought, well, how do you spell Chopin? Uh, it looked like Chopin. <laughs> Actually, before I knew really that I was looking at the word Chopin, I used to say Chopin. <laughs> yes. I, as, I, as I previously mentioned on this, this session of the show, I started piano in fourth grade and I was so young. Uh, piano has a lot of interesting names when it comes to composers so I remember being a child and saying Chopin and then the older I got the more it aggravated me hearing people say it so (laughs) yeah you look back and you think oh my goodness did I really say that (laughs) did I really do that but yeah um this next piece is a solo piano work it's not an orchestra it's not an orchestral piano work in this sense this is made purely as a solo piano piece I'd like to make a note, though, about the performances we're hearing. We're not hearing these performances the way they would have been heard during their time. All the pianos that you're hearing tonight in these performances are modern pianos that are tuned to equal temperament. Back in the time these composers were alive, you would have had a true pianoforte. It would have been an early form of the piano that would just be evolved from the harpsichord. So you may only have one or two strings per note, possibly three. They weren't very loud. And instead of being hit by felt hammers, they were hit by leather hammers. And really the pianos were much, much smaller than what we have today. They really were, I mean, just primitive, primitive versions of the piano we have today. But if you ever have a chance to see a pianoforte or play a pianoforte, definitely take that opportunity to really see and feel the difference between then and now and experience the tonal difference. The the piano's tone really has become much more full in the last 200 years as the piano's evolved. Now, like I was saying, our next piece up tonight is Etude Number 12, the revolutionary etude by Chopin. Annika, do you know anything about this, this piece by Chopin or have any comments you want to make before we play it? Um... I have a lot of comments about, (laughs) 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 I have a lot of comments about like his, all of his work. Uh, This piece in particular, it's just, it has a beautiful flow. And I say that 
and it it sounds like well of course it does it's classical music but this piece <laughs> this piece in particular when you're listening to just the rhythm you can you can almost feel the way the music just creates waves i i personally i love this piece so i'm pretty excited that we're playing it i agree and i i think it's funny you said that about the flow and people are like well of course it's classical music <laughs> I mean, it really saying that is true compared to modern music. Atonal music, there you just literally some composers decide what's going to be on the page by rolling dice. It's like playing Yahtzee and composing <laughs> at the same time. John Cage was famous for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think his though linked back to a form of <laughs> Buddhism, the way he the way he explained it. It turned out really well for him, though, didn't it? Yes, so. yes. I mean, he's one of the most famous modern composers we have today. And I personally love John Cage's music. Here on the show already, we've played some of his with prepared piano. If, you're, if any of you who've been listening or following the show, go back a couple episodes where we did orchestral oddities. You would have heard prepared piano. And we played it at the very end of that, that segment. Sounds like a steel drum or a bongo line in that particular performance. It was from a series of three dances, I think. But uh, John Cage did some wonderful music for the piano. Now, going back to Chopin and this early time in romantic music. And I, when I say romantic music, let, let me clarify here. Romantic is a period. It's not <laughs> music you're going to play on the date. <laughs> I mean, it can be. But whenever you hear the term romantic music, normally it refers to an era right after the classical style of music. And you have the romantic era. It started France and Germany and just grew out from there. I mean, if you did want to impress a girl, I'm sure you could play uh, romantic, as in the romantic era, <laughs> classical music. It would it would definitely be It's actually enjoyable. some of the hardest music to play. Yeah. Because there's so many accidentals, so many big chords... And it's just so expressive. It's, I have a really hard time playing romantic music, especially Chopin. He was just a master of the keys. A true virtuoso, if you would say. Like most every composer we've listened to in this show. But here it is, Etude Number 12, The Revolutionary Etude by Chopin. Enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host tonight, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. I hope everyone has enjoyed the show tonight so far, if you've been with us. And if you haven't, thank you for tuning in once again. (laughs) And tonight's topic is the piano and its place in the orchestra. We've listened to a couple of very lovely pieces tonight. We just finished listening to Chopin's Revolutionary Etude, the Etude number 12. And we've also looked tonight at Mozart's Piano Concerto number 21. So it's been a nice little lineup tonight. Before the last piece by Chopin, we talked a bit about modern music and John Cage because, Annika, you made this wonderful comment about how classical music had this flow to it that modern music didn't have. And I decided, you know, we, we talked about John Cage a lot and we talked about you know, orchestral oddities, and, you know, this is another place the piano plays its role in the orchestra and in music. It's in the prepared piano, so another excuse to bring prepared piano back into the show. <laughs> well, I, I have no problem listening to John Cage repetitiously, so... Ah, well, I guess we'll just get right into this then. For those of you who don't know, John Cage is a modern composer who has the most interesting method for choosing what to do in a song, he does what I like to call musical Yahtzee. He'll just roll die and decide what's going to happen in a piece, what notes next, what instrument to use where, etc. And prepared piano is something John Cage came up with. Plates, screws, nails, forks, whatever is put on the piano's strings or body to alter the tone of the piano. In this case, the piano sounds like drums. And so the piano will be played like normal, or sometimes the strings will be bowed, or things like that, and you'll get these wonderful, wonderful pieces for prepared piano. In in preparing these pieces, there's the uh, composer always has a very specific diagram or setup for the piano so that the piece sounds exactly right. In this case, like I said, it sounds like a group of drums. We'll see what you all think. Here we have three dances, dance number one by John Cage. Now, before we go and play this piece, I would like to open up the phone lines, anyone who's interested. If you're a pianist and you'd like to share your story of playing the piano, maybe with an orchestra or as in solo recital or etc., we'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 479-979-1490. We'd love to hear from you. Here it is, John Cage's Three Dances, number one. <laughs> Thank you. 
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. I'd like to thank everyone who's been listening with us to the show tonight as we've been discussing the roles of piano and the orchestra. For those of you just joining us, thank you again for tuning in to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5. It's been a wonderful show tonight. We've looked at Chopin. We have looked at Mozart. And we just looked at John Cage. <laughs> <laughs> very, very so. big transition. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, that last piece was actually played on a piano. Uh, I know, hard to think about, right? <laughs> we just, when we think about that piece, we don't think that's a piano. But really it is. Our next piece up tonight is a piece by Tchaikovsky. He was a very famous Russian composer. If you've ever heard the Nutcracker, you've heard Tchaikovsky. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that's how everyone's like, no, I've, I've never heard of him. And then you're like, oh... The Nutcracker, and they're just like, oh, I love that. <laughs> yes, I almost gave him credit for a piece that wasn't his. <laughs> Which one? And I had to think about it. I almost gave him credit for uh, Ride of the Valkyries, and that one's Wagner. Oh, yeah. that yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> also a Russian composer, uh, <laughs> but not the same Russian composer. So the next piece up tonight is actually my favorite piano concerto. It's piano concerto number one by Tchaikovsky. We've already introduced the concerto tonight, so I feel like it needs no new introduction. This is just another take on a concerto, as it's done by Tchaikovsky. Again, the solo instrument in this piece is the piano, thus the piano concerto. And this is Tchaikovsky's piano concerto number one. Enjoy.
Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from the University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Danica Wilcox. I hope everyone enjoyed that last piece by Tchaikovsky, the Piano Concerto Number 1. It is, without a doubt, my favorite piano concerto. For those of you who are just joining us tonight, From the Concert Hall is continuing its series called Breaking Down the Orchestra Tonight as we look at the piano and its place in the orchestra. We've looked tonight at Chopin, Mozart, Tchaikovsky, and even John Cage. And because my co-host would not forgive me if I didn't do it, we'll have one more Chopin tonight. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> she She gave me the... The eye of I better listen whenever we played the John Cage. So to make up for the prepared piano, we're going to be listening to the uh, the Ballade Number no. One in G Minor by Chopin next. Now we've listened to a lot of different styles of piano music tonight. We've listened to prepared piano. We've listened to piano concerto, and we've listened to solo piano works. Hopefully. To our listeners tonight, this has given us a deep, deep sense of what the piano can do and what its place is in music. It's a widely expressive instrument. It's um, probably one of the most expressive, just at its base level, that we have. It's, I mean, it, it's earned its place as one of the most famous and most well-loved instruments here in the world. And I, I think one can say that that's, it, it's earned that place justly. Wouldn't you say so? Oh, I I completely agree. I mean, <laughs> when you think about it, how many how many pieces of music can you honestly say you've listened to that don't have something to do with the piano? Exactly. Exactly. The piano is in almost everything you listen to in one way or another. Now, just so we have time to play this piece and give ourselves time to sign off, we're going to have to move into the ballad number no. 1 in G minor by Chopin. It's one of my favorite Chopin pieces. Hopefully it's one of yours, Annika. I know you really wanted this piece tonight. So here it is, the Bloody Number no. 1 in G Minor by Chopin. Enjoy, and if you stick with us, we hope to end tonight with Debussy's Claire de Lune. So if you can stick with us for another 10 minutes, we'll be getting to it. Thanks, and enjoy.
KUOZ 100.5 is an FCC-licensed radio station operated by the University of the Ozarks, Clarksville, Arkansas. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to From the Concert Hall here on KUOZ 100.5 FM, community radio from University of the Ozarks here in Clarksville, Arkansas. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to From the Concert Hall. I'm your host, Corbin Sturch. And I'm your co-host, Annika Wilcox. If you've been listening tonight, thank you so much for sticking with us for the last hour. And if you're just joining us, I'm sorry you've missed us. We just finished tonight's topic over breaking down the orchestra and finding the piano's place and role in the orchestra and in music. We've listened tonight to Chopin, Tchaikovsky, John Cage, and Mozart. So it's been a wonderful night with a great wide repertoire of music. Now... Sadly, we've come to the point tonight where we have to sign off and, you know, wish everyone a happy rest of their week and weekend before we meet with you again next week. As always, you can connect with From the Concert Hall on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash From the Concert Hall. Also, you can find us on iTunes and on SoundCloud by searching From the Concert Hall. There you can find all of our old episodes podcasted and available for replay and download at any time. We look forward to hearing from you. Message us your musical stories and adventures, and maybe they'll find their way onto the show, or maybe even you will. You never know. We're always looking for that next guest or next musical thing that's about to happen. If you have a concert or event coming up, please also let us know. For those of you who've stuck with us through all from the concert hall, you'll know that we've broadcast concerts and different live events before and had several guests on the show in the past. We always love to do that here. Now... You know, it wouldn't have been April Fools without something happening for April Fools. So, a little little side story before you play before we play you out tonight. We actually did get a prank call tonight on the show. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it it definitely is an April Fools kind of day. <laughs> so, happy 1st of April everybody. Now, to play us out into the night, we have play one of the most famous pieces of piano music ever, and that's Debussy's Claire de Lune. So, hopefully this is up to the composer's standards. All the pieces tonight were played on Steinway pianos. So, for any of you who don't know, Steinway is the premier name in pianos. It's an American company, and I personally, I love a Steinway. So, I am very just tickled to death to say that all the performances tonight were performed on Steinway concert grand pianos, or the Steinway D. Now, to play us into the night is Debussy's Claire de Lune, as played by Alexis Wessenberg. Enjoy and have a wonderful and marvelous rest of your night. Thank you. 
Thank you.